Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by John Lieberman, the Vice President of Content, Influencer, and Social at Demandbase. In this episode, we talk about winning strategies for LinkedIn and leveraging internal audiences for both content creation and content feedback. In a few moments, you'll hear John talk about the importance of winning with internal audiences for content strategies. The idea is that you'll get real feedback from those that are on the inside. You'll battle-proof your content before it gets distributed externally. Lots and lots of businesses create podcasts, and most of them don't have a real understanding of how the content is performing. You don't get much by way of demographic and psychographic data or content drop-off. You might get a review on Apple Podcasts, or someone might leave a comment on social media. But for the most part, there isn't an apparatus in podcasting that allows for a feedback loop. When companies ask me about creating podcasts, I often recommend starting with internal podcasts. For starters, there are often very clear editorial topics to explore for internal use. You can map it to internal thought leadership, DEI, CSR, sales wins, and enablement, just to name a few of these categories. But to John's point, your colleagues and employees will tell you what they think. They'll give you feedback. They'll help iron out your best practices. In both a literal and figurative way, they'll help you find your voice. If you study podcasting trends, you'll see that peak listening is happening during working hours. Internal audio content is a consumer behavior that you can easily replicate. And if you can't get your colleagues to listen, then that's a good sign that you're not ready for consumer podcast just yet. Venly is an audio platform for business, and we believe that your audio content should live where you do business. With Venly, you can seamlessly and securely share audio content to Slack, Notion, and other internal channels, all with enterprise security and analytics. Are you curious about how podcasts might play a role in how you engage your colleagues? Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the awesome John Lieberman. Hi, John. Brian, how are you? Good to see you. Thanks for being with me. John Lieberman is currently the Vice President of Content, Influencer, and Social Marketing for Demandbase, the leader in account-based experience. He is an award-winning B2B storyteller who leads content marketing teams to excellence using storytelling to drive business results across all areas of the company. Previously, he was a global vice president for SAP, managing a communications team of multimedia content creators within global marketing and global corporate affairs. His team was honored with two dozen tele awards for excellent in corporate and B2B storytelling featuring customers. He also served as executive producer for some of SAP's largest virtual events. John's career has been based on innovative storytelling at the highest levels in print, digital, television, radio, and the corporate world. He has been an Emmy Award-winning investigative television and radio correspondent, host, and executive producer. He has created and executive produced original video series in addition to consulting major corporations and media entities on content development, production, and execution, in addition to marketing strategy and social media. John, thanks again for being with me. Ryan, thanks for having me. What an intro. Jeez, hope I can You wrote up. it. Hope I can live up to that. We just read a little bit in the bio, but what is demand-based and what is account-based experience? Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, at the heart of it, demand-based is a solution for B2B marketing and sales teams to target the right accounts at the right time in order to sell them and and drive their revenue up. So account-based experience is this idea of always putting the customer 
at the heart of everything you do. So for example, Brian, I mean, how many times do you get an email in your inbox that you just hit delete and it's a marketer trying to, you know, market something to you or sell something to you or get in the pipeline? The heart of account-based experience is using data to figure out what accounts to go after, when to reach out, what kind of content to use when you reach out, and really having the customer at the top of mind all through the buyer's journey. And so we like to say that we have the complete, you know, B2B go-to-market suite. You know, we have four clouds now, all types of data that, that we crunch in order to achieve these goals. When we connected before this, you mentioned that there's very little difference between the content that's created for B2B and direct-to-consumer. The same eyeballs are in the same places. What are the implications for content marketers? On one hand, it makes the landscape more competitive and expensive. But on the other hand, I can see it fostering greater creativity. Yeah, so that's 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 a good point. Um, and I know we chatted about this a little bit. So when we look at that sort of awareness level content, what we call the top of the funnel, that's where I believe there's very little difference between B2B content and B2C because the purpose is to make people aware of whatever it is you're doing, selling, marketing, et cetera. And so at that awareness level, we are competing. Our content is competing with Netflix and HBO Max and you name it to get eyeballs because we only have so many hours in the day to consume content. And especially at that awareness level, how are we getting people's attention? Well, in my mind, we have to give people something that's informative, but also engaging and entertaining and relevant to them. And that's key as well. And so when you talk about sort of ramifications, the more you go down deeper into that funnel, the more important it is to then start creating content that really is personalized to that particular segment of audience. But what I always tell our teams is it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, all this jargon. No matter where you are in the buyer's journey, you're still a person that we are marketing or selling to a person who that we have to communicate to as a human. So that's where I think B2B and B2C are, are similar. But maybe no surprise, LinkedIn is a big channel for you. What are some best practices that you've developed that are specific to LinkedIn? Yeah, so we are proud of our LinkedIn engagement with our audience because it tells us that we're doing some of the right things to engage with our audience. And I mean, I think some things that have worked for us, video, I mean, you know, it, it sounds like a no brainer, but video or anything visual is just such a huge driver these days. So even if you're promoting a blog post or something like that, there needs to be something visual, a video to drive people there. There needs to be a clear call to action. It can't just be, here's this piece of content, enjoy it. It has to be, here's this piece of content, and now we would like you to do X, Y, or Z. We would like you to subscribe to our blog, or we would like you to take a deeper dive here or take a demo. And the other thing that really works on LinkedIn is, and I might contradict myself a tiny bit here, but is to not always be asking something of the audience. So 
For example, we're big on LinkedIn polls. So we might poll people. So the call to action there is simply engage in our poll, answer our poll, give us your feedback. But then we're not then saying answer our poll and also subscribe to our blog and, and, and watch a demo of our product and blah, blah, blah. So it really is a matter of finding ways to engage with people where you're not being obtrusive and you're also really cognizant of kind of what your audience you know, wants. And that goes back to this idea of account-based experience, right? Which is if you reach out to the right person, but at the wrong time, it's not a good situation. You hit delete on that email or you skip that social post. It really has to be the right person at the right time with the right content and the right call to action. So is there logic here where the same best practices that you've developed on LinkedIn will also work on other channels like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter? Or is it that marketers need to develop totally discrete channel strategies? Yeah, so we definitely tweak it to, um, to try and scale across channels, but it is a little different B2B, whereas, you know, I would say LinkedIn is just so far above all of the other platforms in terms of the audience that we are trying to reach from a B2B perspective. So we also use Twitter, um, but some of the other ones, you know, are a little further down in our priority list. So obviously every company has some sort of limited resources. So given that, you know, we've really chosen to focus a lot on LinkedIn and then to a lesser extent on Twitter as well. Those are the two that are kind of our go-to platforms. But when you talk about engagement, certainly engagement drives or the goal is to drive engagement on all of these channels. And that's really at the heart of our strategy is we don't have to be boring. We don't have to be stale. We can use you know, fun images, we can use memes, we can use GIFs, we can use pieces of video. It doesn't have to be boring and stale, despite the fact that we are marketing B2B. So in addition to content for these external audiences, you also create content that's intended for internal use. You shared with me a belief that you have to be able to convince an internal audience before you can persuade an external audience. Are there examples of particularly successful content staples that you've used for internal audiences? Yeah, that's a good question. So my philosophy on it, as you as you articulated, and I'll dive a little deeper, is that you know you have to captivate your internal audience before you can get your external audience excited about them. The internal audience, that's a built-in audience that gets paid to be a cheerleader for your company. So you have to figure out ways to mobilize them, whether it's contests within the company, um, encouraging people to use social media, or it's, um, I'll give you an example, you know, we use a piece of software called Vocal Video. So basically Vocal Video is we can send a link to all of our employees and we can ask them a question. For example, what excites you most about this particular product launch? And then they can hit a button, record a video, it comes to the content team, and then we can post-produce it and make it look good and use it as content both in the company, but also externally as well. So then we can take that model and we can scale it you know, across a number of different things internally and externally. But I am a firm believer that you know, step one is always to sort of mobilize those people who are paid to be your people 
before you can try to reach people that are outside of your, you know, of your, of your company. I love this idea. I think frequently when we talk about UGC, user-generated content, we think about consumers, but you're creating UGC with your employees. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, you know, COVID and not to date the segment, but, you know, I think we're going to have some one thing that came out of COVID for better or for worse was this idea that now there's very little barrier to entry to creating video content. So I think it used to be prior to COVID, for the most part, we, uh, especially old school sort of broadcasters like myself, we would take a camera crew, go on site, shoot the, vi- shoot the interviews, go into post-production, push out the content. Now, it's as easy as sending a Zoom link to somebody, doing the capture, we can push that out the same day with a little bit of post-production. So I think that COVID has changed the game in terms of, you know, how we can create content that's scalable in a way that is frankly inexpensive. We've gotten better with the quality of it, right? You know, the quality is dependent basically on your internet or if you decide to use, you know, whatever software you decide to use. But yeah, I definitely think that the content game has changed because it's much easier now to create content. And the downside to that is it's much easier to create content, meaning there's so much bad content out there that nobody cares about uh, that isn't in good quality that you saturate you know, the market with content simply because it's easy to create. Whereas it used to be, you'd have to spend money on a camera crew. And we still do that, you know, for different shoots. But I think a lot of companies, particular, particularly smaller companies, have engaged this idea of kind of user-generated content or at the least, you know, remotely captured content. Get you out on this question. Can you point to an example where a learning from an internal content execution was leveraged successfully for an external execution? I think the learning is always in the feedback, right? So if we are launching something internally and we hear from employees, this isn't clear or that isn't clear, or what do you mean by this? It can help us sort of tailor the messaging and that for the external audience. I think that that's one sort of thing that you can glean is you can almost use your employees as a sounding board to figure out the messaging and kind of how you want to articulate things to you know, the outside, the outside audience. I think that would be one learning for sure. I'm joined today by John Lieberman. John, thank you so much for all your time and your wisdom. I appreciate it. Of course, Brian, anytime. Thank you.